May thy kingdom come in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Sometimes when we begin to go through the journey of this life and we look at the world around us today, certainly the world is in major strife and the situation can become disheartening at times. But we, we must not get sidetracked, we must not be taken in by the moment, but remember what it's all about. We are here not for this world, we are here for the world to come. It doesn't mean that we somehow abandon this world, but that we must not lose our focus. The focus is uh, the very purpose for which our Lord came. Our Lord came to lead us to the kingdom of heaven. Our Lord saw our misery and he looked down upon us with pity and compassion, seeing the world in a very uh, terrible state of affairs, mankind becoming worse and worse with every passing generation. God would come and save his people uh, and he would come in the form of a child the, the second person of the trinity would become man and uh, as i noted to the faithful at christmas time saint athanasius points out rightly that our lord did not become man just to redeem us god could have saved us without becoming man but he, there is something that god could not have done without becoming man and that is to teach us how to be holy uh, you know it's one thing to tell somebody you know as a parent to tell your children don't do this or don't do that but unless you lead by example uh, they're never going to follow uh, and that's why you see so many of the Jews in the old law not only did they fail miserably but they began to see God purely as a, a lawgiver much like you would see uh, a policeman somebody who's there to uh, to clobber you so to speak when you do the wrong thing but our Lord came as one of us to embrace us so that we may embrace him he came to draw us to him and that's why he makes this mysterious statement in the New Testament saying to us the kingdom of heaven is within you what does it mean that the kingdom of heaven is within you here Cornelius Ablapide that great biblical commentator explains to us that this kingdom of God is within us, that is, it is within our own power if we embrace the faith and the grace of Christ and work with him. It is of our own will and power to receive the kingdom. And what's more, he says, the kingdom of God is within us because Christ, as our God and King, lives amongst us, preaching and endowing us with this kingdom. He's giving us this kingdom. But how, how does he give us this kingdom? Well, he gives us this kingdom more precisely by his uh, supernatural life of grace that he gives to us. And this is uh, uh, normally poured out to us in our baptism. That's why St. Thomas Aquinas says that God, by adopting us, makes us capable of enjoying his eternal life with him. Through it, he grants us a rebirth in his own spirit and thus we pass from a purely natural life to the life of grace which is the seed of glory and the true participation in the divine life that's why our lord says in saint john's gospel we must be born again born of the spirit uh, to enter into the kingdom and how are we born again by the life of grace that our lord gives us that's why we could say that the greatest gift that god gives us in this life is 
sanctifying grace. This grace which makes us uh, adopted children of God, which transforms us from purely the natural level to the supernatural, capable of grace. And this is why St. Augustine would say, God desires to make you a God, not by nature as uh, his own son, but through grace and adoption. Cease then to be a son of Adam, but put on Jesus Christ, and then you will no longer be a man, and uh, ceasing to be a man, neither will you be a liar. Because to the degree that we are of this earth, we are, we are fake, and we are empty. It's only that uh, by God's grace that we are elevated to this kingdom. And that's why St. Basil rightly points out it is the role of the Holy Ghost to uh, sanctify and elevate us. He says uh, the, the Holy Ghost has this role of making us into the image of God. This divine stamp or character which is impressed upon us by the Holy Ghost is a living thing. It molds us within and without, penetrating into the very depth of the heart and soul. And in this way, it refashions us and makes us living images of God. Thus, he consecrates us at the same time that he seals us and affects in us a living pledge of the heavenly heritage. The heavenly heritage, that's what we are called to. And that's what St. Paul is talking about quite explicitly in uh, the epistle of today's Mass. Our Lord, from all eternity, was eager that we would share a life with Him. You know, if there is someone you love, if you have been given a, maybe a, a, a box of chocolates or, or something, where you usually put it aside, well, when my, my friend comes, then I can share something with my friend because nothing greater than being able to share something with those who you love. Well, God, from all eternity, whose love itself, wanted to share uh, the greatness of his kingdom, of his glory with us. And he was so eager for this. For this did he come. I go, our Lord says, to prepare a place for you. And he, he tells us very explicitly in his prayer to his Father. He says, Father, I will that where I am, they also to whom thou hast given me may be with me, that they may see my glory which thou hast given me, because thou hast loved me before the creation of the world. And in fact, you see in the New Testament, our Lord was so eager even to show a little bit of this glory to us, that he transfigures out Mount Tabor before uh, uh, St. Peter and James. He wants to do, so eager to show them his glory, to share it with them already, so to speak, that he would already give them a little glimpse of this St. Augustine, whom we're going to follow today, explains, Oh, O life that God has prepared for them that love Him. That life, the sole principle of life, happy, secure, quiet, pure, chaste, and beauteous life, that life which fears no death, dreads no sorrow. A life devoid of spot or stain, devoid of pain, anxiety, corruption, or perturbation. Life filled with dignity and excellence, where there is no enemy to assault us, no sin to seduce us, no fear to intimidate us. There where there is a perfect love and everlasting day, where God is seen face to face, and where the soul is continually feasted upon the bread of life. 
O glorious things, says the book of Psalms, O glorious things are spoken of thee, O city of God. And what are, what are these glorious things? For St. Augustine says, The more I consider you, the more I languish with love for you. O happy life, O truly blessed, immortal and everlasting kingdom, to which no period of time shall ever succeed, where there is one never-ending day, where there can be uh, no measure of time. A land where they who have been victorious in spiritual combat shall be in the concert with the holy angels and sing without ceasing the songs of Zion. St. Paul, in contemplating this great reality, he who says he was taken up to the third heaven, explains to us that no eye has seen, no ear heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man what things has God prepared for those who love him. It's very hard for us to contemplate, even to begin to have a glimpse of what is this great place of heaven. Shakespeare in his famous play Hamlet says to Horatio, there are more things in heaven and earth, Horatio, than are dreamt in our philosophy. We could never contemplate. But if you want a little bit of a, 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 an insight to this point, our Lord often makes allusion to the kingdom of heaven as like a, 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 a great feast. And what is in a great feast? There is friends, good companions, great food, uh, everyone's dressed well, everything looks beautiful, everyone looks beautiful, uh, people have put on their best garb, uh, a place where all the senses are delighted. But to even give you a more, even greater deep detail to why it's very difficult for us to contemplate heaven, not only because the, the greatest thing in heaven is not the material things, that's for sure, the greatest thing in heaven is that we will contemplate God, the beauty of God, uh, face to face, and that there we will see the divine essence directly. And this requires a great gift on God to help us, because without it we would be annihilated in the very mere presence of God. If we can't uh, uh, handle the mere presence of certain creatures like the uh, fire or the sun uh, because they're too intense for us, how less uh, would we be able to handle the presence of God unless God gave us a special power to be able to endure His presence? But, you know, a very good example, if you want to understand this point, is, uh, you know, in this world there are many uh, marvelous, beautiful things that, that you can behold with your, all your five senses. Taste, touch, smell, uh, all the different amazing foods, uh, fruits, all the different sights, sceneries, oceans, rivers, mountains, and we can go on forever. All the amazing different creatures, animals, things that uh, we, some of most of us will never see even 1% of all the creatures that God has uh, created in this world. So many amazing things in the sea, in the sky, under the earth. Uh, most of us really will probably never see even, maybe even 10%, if that, uh, of all the things that God has made, uh, all the different creatures, all the different tastes, smells, touch. And all that God has made for sinners. Sinners and the greater bulk of which will be damned. If that's what God's made for sinners, that's what God has made for his enemies. Imagine what he's made for his friends. We will never be able to comprehend that reality. This is what God has made 
for his enemies. Imagine what he's made for his friends. There's, there's no comparisons. Uh, we will never be able to comprehend how great this is this place. Oh, happy, says St. Augustine, and eternally happy, O oh my soul, O oh heavenly city, should it merit to contemplate your glory, O oh heavenly city, your beauty, your happiness, O oh to see your, great, uh, your gates, your walls, your streets, your numerous buildings, your illustrious inhabitants, and your almighty sovereign enthroned in your midst. Your walls are of precious stone, your gates of beauteous pearl, your streets of pure gold, ever resounding with their joyful alleluias. Your many mansions are founded up, uh, upon hewn square sapphire stone and uh, covered in with plates of gold. Into these no man who is not clean can enter. No a man can inhabit them who is defiled. Sweet and beauteous are your delights, O heavenly Jerusalem, our common mother. You do not feel any trial and uh, suffering that we all endure in this miserable life. You are not subject to any intervals of darkness, no variety of seasons. Your light is not furnished by lamps or candles. In you there is no shining moon or glittering stars, but God of God, the light of light, shines in you. The white immaculate lamb is uh, your purest and uh, shining light. Here, says St. Paul, we see only God in a dark manner, but then we will see him face to face and we will know him as he is known. St. Augustine, looking at that, that episode of our Lord's transfiguration at Mount Tabor to St. Peter and James, says, notice how St. Peter there says, it is good for us to be here. St. Peter had there seen only a small glimpse of the glory of heaven, yet he was so much enraptured on beholding it that all the glory of this world seemed to him at that moment to have faded away. How great, therefore, must be the delight of the saints in heaven who enjoy it to its full extent, the happiness which God has bestowed upon them in the kingdom of glory. And what has God bestowed upon them? In this kingdom, says St. Augustine. Well, he says, O heaven, your greatness consists in never failing contemplation of this most beautiful king who is in the midst of you and all his children surrounding him and adoring him continuously. There, the choir of the prophets, the blessed apostles, the sacred assembly of religious, there, the virgins and youths, there, the sheep and the lamb who have escaped the snares of the worldly pleasures. There, uh, these all rejoice in their proper mansions. And though the degree of glory in each of them is different, yet the joy of all is common, and there shall be so for all eternity. Their charity reigns in the highest perfection, because God is all in all, him they behold continuously. How happy shall I be, how supremely happy should I be, after the dissolution of this body, how exceedingly happy shall I be to merit, to join in the concert with the saints, to sing with the saints in praise of the eternal King, to see him in glory. And in seeing him in glory, we will understand there, says St. Alphonsus, the reason for all of our sorrows in this life, the bitterness, the trials, 
the difficulties of this life will begin to then make sense to us. All the sorrows, the trials, the dangers that we were to endure in this life will all have their purpose, their value and their meaning. All the sufferings, the sacrifices we make, there we will understand that they were all given to us in order to draw us to the kingdom of God for all eternity. They were given to us to make more secure our salvation, to be with our God. There in the book of the Apocalypse, uh, says St. John, God shall wipe away the tears from their eyes, and the death shall be no more. No mourning, no crying, no sorrow shall be any more, for the former things are passed away. And we can understand why St. Paul would say to us in his own words, I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. On the contrary, in heaven we will only uh, say, had only God granted me more suffering, more trials, more difficulties, in order that I may have a greater glory with him for all eternity. There we will be thanking him for all the trials, the difficulties, the sorrows, uh, of this life and and this is the thing that sometimes the sorrows of this life can seem unbearable seem unfair unjust seem that god has uh, cast us off rejected us but they are all the more signs of his love and friendship to us to draw us to himself to lead us he came by his own example he suffered he endured uh, all things and though he already possessed the kingdom he came to teach us how we ought to endure for the sake of the kingdom. And that's what our Lord wants us to endure for the sake of the kingdom. And in these words, I just simply conclude in these encouraging words on this uh, point of uh, St. Gregory the Great. Look to your heavenly home, to the end of your journey. We who have uh, learned of the joys of our home in heaven should hasten towards it as quickly as possible desiring to go there with all haste and to arrive by the shortest way. And how the world with its miseries urges us on. What sorrow or misfortune is there that does not press upon us? What is this mortal life but a road, a journey? And what folly if we would be uh, weary with fatigue and not eager to end the journey? May thy kingdom come, and the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost.